how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the Icelandic comedy Under the Tree, Baldwin and Inga's next-door neighbors complain that a tree in their backyard casts a shadow over the sun deck. What starts off as a typical spat between neighbors unexpectedly and violently spirals out of control in this absurd comedy. In this interview, writer-director Hofstein Gunnar Sigurdsson discusses his transition from shorts to full-length features, his early determinations to make a film which began as a skateboarder, how to balance tone through intuition, and the importance of knowing your limitations but surpassing them anyway. The, my first encounter with uh, with the medium uh, was uh, as, a, as a teenager. I was a uh, quite obsessive uh, skateboarder uh, back in Iceland in the 90s, and uh, a part of that culture is sort of making these sort of homemade, you know, skate videos that a lot of teenagers go through, and. Um, and then just as I gradually, you know, grew older, I got more and more interested in the medium and the sort of skateboarding f fader away. Uh, and um, I don't know if it was ever a decision, I'm going to be a filmmaker. It was just something I started pursuing. And I, I studied um, comparative literature in, at the University of Iceland. And, and then um, I ended up going here to New York to to uh, to an MFA in in uh, writing and directing at um, Columbia University. What were some of the films you were watching or rewatching when you started to really get involved with the medium and kind of take that route into into film school and everything? Well, um, I, I remember being probably around sixteen or something, and I went to see uh, Shortcuts, the Robert Altman movie. Uh, that I remember that being sort of a mind-blowing experience in a way. I, I, it, you know, I, I didn't know films could be that somehow. Um, and then also uh, a bit later, when I was around 20 or something, started doing more, you know, shorts and, and documentaries. That the whole sort of dogma movement was, you know, um, very big at the moment. And 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 that was really something I connected with because you were seeing people doing. You know these really sort of downscaled, you know, productions. It was quite rough, you know, uh, with, you know, uh, in in means that were similar to what you were making yourself, you know. So, 
I remember that being kind of uh, influential at the time. How did you make the transition from shorts into, into full-length features? Did, that, did those shorts kind of help you as a reel, or how did you kind of work your way into making these, these three films? Um, I, it's, it's a good question because it's, a, it's a, one of these very you know, tough transitions for every filmmaker, I think, going from a short to a, a first feature because uh, nobody wants to finance a first-time filmmaker and and how are you ever going to get finance if you haven't made the film? You know, so it's kind of a catch twenty two um, situation. And um, I, after I, I graduated uh, in two thousand eight from Colombia, and I moved back, and I had been developing a script uh, during my time here to to shoot in Iceland. Uh, I was very close to getting the finance when the uh, financial crisis, you know, hit Iceland at the time, and and everything sort of went to shit, um, and I still was really, really kind of uh, determined to make a film. So I thought, you know, how can I uh, make a film in the sort of cheapest possible way without, you know, sacrificing the artistic qualities of it? And I figured, you know, writing a film for two characters that would sort of, you know, minimize the production and, the, you know, the crew and, and, and the amount of time it would take. So I sort of, you know, sat down to, to start developing a, a script for, for two characters, which was uh, either way. And um, and I had a friend uh, who had uh, good friends from Colombia who had just started a company in London uh, who was, you know, looking for like a micro-budget budget film to finance. And, and we did that film for very, very uh, little money, uh, but the film turned out to be quite successful, uh, especially on the festival circuits. It didn't, you know, sell a lot, uh, although we did sell it, the remake rights here to to the States. And um, and it was done uh, by David Gordon Green as uh, Prince Avalanche. And, um, and, uh, and that, you know, once you're sort of with your foot in the door and you have a feature that helped out, you know, uh, financing the next one, and it's been, you know, just kind of, uh, steadily growing. How did you kind of, you know, embrace those limitations? I mean, I understand that you're using just just two two main characters. Um, did you just put a lot of time into that story? How did you also choose the setting and the situation where you can make a, a full length out of just two characters' conversations and and, and a story like that? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a you know sort of an experiment or you know a challenge in how how little you can get away with you know. Uh, artistically and you know uh practically you know making a film but i mean of course you know there are famous you know films in like scandinavian film history you know uh persona for instance you know which is a kind of a a two character movie in a way um so um i think there's a there's a tradition of it and and um and I think you know it's. I think it's one of the most important things is to sort of know your limitations. You know, as a first-time filmmaker, I think a lot of people are trying to do very, very ambitious things, way too ambitious, and you know, like more than the, the means they have to do it. So I think it's. I think it's important to just sort of realize what you have and how you can maximize that, in a way. So let's talk about your new film. How did you get involved um, with the story for Under the Tree? Um, the original idea came from my co-writer uh, some 10 years ago or something. 
uh, and it was a story that was sort of brewing for a while uh, without, you know, not that much happening. And, and then um, and the, the, the original inspiration is uh, comes from that we have our sort of true, you know, stories that uh, in Iceland that are, some of them are quite famous cases, which are neighborly conflicts that revolve around trees. Uh, so that was sort of the original uh, inspiration. And um, and maybe because uh, uh, we don't have that many trees in Iceland, they're quite rare. Uh, so people who, you know, have uh, big and beautiful trees, they tend to get kind of emotionally attached to them. And um, um, at the same time, the summers are very short, and uh, uh, and the sun doesn't come out that much. So if you don't have sun hitting in your garden, you're going to do everything you can to make sure you do. So out of this, you have a very kind of uh, uh, complicated uh, dilemma where it's sort of hard to say who's who's in the right. And, and that was sort of, yeah, what got me excited to begin with. So definitely, you know, some characteristics of the story that are related to Iceland, but it still feels like it could be, you know, almost anywhere as far as what the story um, takes place and everything. What was kind of your involvement? I know you're listed as the co-writer. When you came on to the screenplay, did you make some adjustments? What were were some of your um, involvement with the actual screenplay? Well, the thing is, he wrote the first draft, um, and then we sort of didn't agree where to, you know, how to proceed. So he ended up, you know, leaving the project, and I took over and and uh, and, and and kept de- developing the, the the script. So yeah. What were some of the things that um, that you wanted to, you know, bring out to, to come on as director? Was it the ending? Was it just the overall story? What kind of things did you a- add to or take away? Well, I mean, I think there was a certain tendency towards melodrama uh, in the early stages, uh, which I, a direction I didn't want to take it into. I, I you know, wanted to bring it into uh, more of the, the darkly comic, you know, uh, thriller-esque, you know, um, elements. Um, how did you go about kind of adding to these characters for the story? They're all very different and coming at this from two different angles. Did you kind of put yourself into to each character's shoes and how they might react to certain situations? Yeah, I think you have to do that to some extent uh, as a director, you know, all the time. I think you have to understand all your characters uh, and uh, I think you have to sort of uh, sympathize with them. Uh, I mean, I they may not be doing the most likable things all the time, and I don't agree with everything that they do, but I still find it very important to to uh, care for them. When you're making a, a film like this, it's got you know aspects of a dark comedy. Is there ever a point where something's too dark, where you kind of stepped back, or does it come to a point where anything goes as long as it's funny to a certain audience and that kind of thing? I think for this script, you know, it was something, you know, it, it's it's about a conflict that really, really spirals out of control. So I think it was like uh, the the idea was to just take it, you know, kind of over the top without so, so without like losing, you know, credibility, you know. So I think it, it it's something that has to escalate and escalate and and. And there were some of the notes that I would get on script level, you know, some people, you know, for instance, found the ending, you know, a little bit of a different film. But I think that was just my task as a director to 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 bring you as an audience, you know, emotionally to that place, you know, throughout that story. And, and 
yeah, that was definitely one of the, the challenges. So there's aspects of, you know, various tensions, parts of it are kind of like a thriller, parts are just kind of absurd. How did you go about balancing the tone for the overall film? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, this is something that's not a very tangible thing. It kind of has to do a lot with emotion or sort of intuition, you know. Uh, so it's like, you know, you have a certain feeling or a certain vision for the story and, and it's just something you, you know when it's like too much or it's or if it's sort of out of character of your story then, then you can always, you know, sort of you know, step back and say, you know, this is you know, this is a different film, you know, but it's it's hard to describe. It's like it's not like it's a you know, tone is not like a an Excel sheet that you sort of, you know, fill in numbers, you know, it's a, it's a, it has really a lot to do with uh, intuition. Besides the original, you know, stories which you uh, spoke about, were there other things like phrases or uh, just certain things with characters you wanted to put in to also kind of possibly represent Iceland? Well, I mean, there is uh, certainly things that are specifically Icelandic in there, but I, I really wanted to make a film that could work for Icelandic audiences and international audiences as well. And I think there is... Um, uh, a lot of these things are uh, very kind of global issues, you know. I think, I mean, for instance, everybody has a neighbor, you know, everybody has some experience with a neighbor. Uh, I think it's something that everybody can uh, relate to. Um, and so I sort of wanted to kind of, uh, you know, there are, of course, yeah, like this whole tree conflict and stuff, which is quite specific to Iceland and and also the, you know, the custody battle the 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 rights of single fathers are, are very poor you know in Iceland uh, I don't know how it is actually here uh, so there are definitely things there but I still wanted the film you know to be pretty much able to take place anywhere in the world in addition to the original screenplay as well did you do any other outside research um, the kind of any, any like actual cases or articles that were used for the movie I mean, there are some true cases about these three things, you know, uh, that that uh, we explored, and and also just this sort of big trauma of you know the son that had disappeared, you know, that was something I, I researched a little bit, you know, how people are uh, reacting, you know, uh, how 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 sorrow sort of uh, you know comes back in cycles because there's no. Um, uh, because when there's no body, there's no way of like saying like a physical, you know, goodbye. There's no way of you know uh, leaving that and moving on because you're always hoping for the person to come back, and that's the only thing you have—the hope—and that can really sort of drive people crazy. And and that was a bit of I did a bit of research in terms of that for the uh, in Gus, the, the mother character. So you've made uh, three full-length features now since some of your shorts were made. Is there, if you could kind of go back in time, is there any like, one piece of advice you would give yourself before you got into the full-feature world? No, I think uh, it's, it's hard to say. I think, you know, um, I, I sort of wanted to, uh, I mean, my first two features are more kind of subtle, uh, dramatic comedies, uh, character-driven. I think with this film, it's much more sort of action driven, you know, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't want to repeat myself, uh, 
but still sort of keep some of the elements that are are in my previous films. But I think it's just important to keep, you know, um, um, pushing yourself into different, you know, territory, you know, knowing your limits, but not being, you know, limited to them. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.